Well, Indiana followed up their massive win at Purdue over the weekend by laying an absolute egg at home against Iowa on Tuesday night. You know what it means? Another year without a Big Ten national champion. And why can I say national champion? Because it's March! You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there, welcome into the Locked on College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college basketball show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. With me as he is every week is our guy, Leaf Tulane. And Leaf, it is March, and I know that you and I are both on cloud nine as we get it. I mean, this might as well be December for all we care. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk about a couple major conferences that uh, had teams grab conference regular season championships last night. We got to get bubbly. We got some good bubble talk results from last night and looking ahead to tonight, Wednesday. But first, Leaf, Indiana lost at home 90 to 68 to the Hawkeyes. No miracle comeback needed for Fran McCaffrey's team this time around and Listen, Indiana had that massive victory on Saturday at Purdue. It was a great performance. And I was like, dude, Indiana could be coming along. Like people are talking about this is a final four potential and other things like that. But all it says to me, once again, no Big Ten national champion since Michigan State in 2000. That trend continues this year. Agree or disagree? Uh, I strongly agree. I, I think throughout most of the year, Purdue was viewed as a, a lock for a one seed as soon as they won their uh, preseason tournament. And everyone was like, man, Zach Eady player of the year, and he will be. But but the team, too, and and you and I have had this discussion of of how they're so reliant on Eady cr- to create their advantages. So their freshman guards get open looks. They catch and rip. But I think with scouting in the Big Ten and, and just knowing more about each team, as as every team does later in the year, you, you've learned that Eady is the offense. And the rest of the offense becomes stagnant and the shooting numbers have really plummeted of late as teams have figured out how to handle Purdue's offense. And they don't have a guy who can really knock down shots like they've had in years past. Like obviously Carson Edwards comes to mind, but I'm saying like (laughs) they don't have, they don't have themselves a Ryan Klein, even someone who's just a dead eye shooter, a Sasha Stefanovic. So that's the one team that, that people had circled early in the year. And then Indiana was the the preeminent favorite coming into the year, and they started playing like it recently. However, I think they go as far as Jalen hood Shafino takes them, despite having an All-American candidate in Trace Jackson Davis. But Jalen hood Shafino is going to be spectacular like he was against Purdue, but he's also going to have games that are a bit head-scratching, like this past game against Iowa, 4 of 14, and he had... He only had one turnover, but I feel like there was a lack of facilitation. There were only two assists, and the ball stopped with him. And I think that it's too hard to be relying on two players like Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen hood Shafino for them to win. I don't think Iowa or any of the other teams from the Big Ten have enough horses to make a deep run either. I think you hit on two major things there, one with Purdue and one with Indiana. With Purdue, for me, as teams have figured out how to stop them, They've not, I mean, Matt Painter is a phenomenal coach. Let's not taking any, anything away from him. I think it's more of a personnel thing that they've just not been now that the blueprints out there, 
I think they're struggling, and that's why you see them dropping four of their last six. Now, granted, only one of those is at home. It's tough to win on the road, but whatever. They still got to do it. And then the other thing, the the point you made about Indiana, with they go as far as Jalen Hutchifino goes, that's absolutely correct because Trace is going to get his. Trace Jackson Davis is going to get his. Obviously, he had an off game at Purdue, and that's fine, whatever. But that dude posts just about every night more often than not. Um, and, and the other thing in this one, it wasn't just Jalen Hutchifino. The rest of the supporting cast didn't help, help out either. Miller Cop, four points. Race Thompson, four points. Like th- these guys have to do more to help out. TJD is going to make noise, which I think they ultimately will. I think they're a second weekend team in my purview. Obviously it depends on matchups and all that, but um it's just they're not living up to it. And as you look down the Big Ten, going going back to our take, it's like who, who, who out there could be a national champion? Who could be in the Final Four? Because at this point, I, like I know I said national champion. I don't even know if I trust a Big Ten team to make the Final Four. Is I mean, is there anybody? Like you look I at it. No, so. we don't have the bracket. But But who's in Houston out of Big Ten? I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody either. I mean, right now, Maryland's sitting in the second spot uh, right now at 11 and seven in conference and Maryland has serious deficiencies. Northwestern has been like the plucky underdog story and they're 11 and seven in conference play. And I don't think they have the horses to get to, to Houston. Michigan has the talent, but they've been inconsistent and you could make the argument they've played better without arguably their best talent in jet Howard. And I don't think they can make they can make like a similar run to what they did last year, which was considered a solid run and made the Sweet 16. Then you go to Indiana. We discussed them. Iowa doesn't play enough defense. Illinois, I, I said this at the beginning of the year, and maybe I was wrong, but I really did think, and I still do think they're the most talented team in the Big Ten. But I just don't like their chemistry. Their guard play is not very good. And then you got Tom Izzo's Michigan State. And if anyone can make a run <laughs> that, uh, that has March kind of pinpointed with his name, they're synonymous. But I don't think they have the – they're neither excellent offensively nor defensively, but they're solid at both. So I think they can win a few games. But that said, it's going to be hard to do from an 8-9 seed like, they, like they'd have to do. Like Which, Michigan State isn't blowing anyone out, and, and they've kind of lacked the ability to close games. I, I mean, I was the obvious example. They were up 13 with a minute and a half to go and lost. They gave up 15 points on threes alone in 40 seconds. And lost, and and that's just, I think that speaks to the lack of just like pure athleticism talent that Michigan State has because I think they've got good players like Tyson Walker and AJ Hogart are very good. Jaden Akins is developing. Hauser's good. They don't have a dude. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at any of those guys and say, oh, that's the dude. And Michigan State's typically on their deep runs had a guy that's very, very good, even if he's not a superb athlete. But like they've had dudes, and they don't this year. <laughs> well, Big Ten uh, thoughts and prayers to you. I mean, I. I've, I think if any Big Ten team, like if somebody made a run and showed up in Houston, I, I do think it would be Indiana over Purdue and, and these others. But I, I just, I just again, I do not see it happening. Elsewhere around the nation, just a couple quick on-off things before we get into uh, Kansas clinching a share of the Big 12 and what Marquette has done. Woo, Marquette. Uh, a couple quick things. Zakai Ziegler unfortunately went down for Tennessee on Tuesday night early first couple minutes of the game there at home as they were hosting Arkansas Tennessee blew out the hogs really impressive 
But man, Zakai Ziegler, non-contact left knee injury. Still, like I've been looking as as Leaf was just talking, still no update on the actual injury and the time market. It's 12:15 on Wednesday, just afternoon. Um, and and no update. But unfortunately, that screams ACL to me. If it's not, I, I hope and pray that it's not, but Man, that is a classic ACL look, and if so, Zakai Ziegler's done for the year, and Rick Barnes is going to have to figure out some things. A couple other quick notes. Antoine Davis from Detroit Mercy. What a story this is. Detroit Mercy wins on Tuesday night against Indiana Purdue Fort Wayne in the Summit League tournament, and uh, gosh, Antoine Davis drops 38, is now just 25 points shy of tying Pistol Pete Maravich as the all-time leading scorer in NCAA history. They play again on Thursday at 8. Now, of course, asterisk here. It only took Pistol Pete three seasons to do this, and Antoine Davis is doing it in five, but it would count in the NCAA record books. And then finally, some great news for a great coach. Charleston's Pat Kelsey signed a five-year extension on Tuesday, really hoping the, the Cougars can get into the tournament. I mean, you win, you win your tournament and you don't have to sweat it, but they are very much right now. It looks like on the outside looking in bubble wise, if they do not win that conference tournament. So leaf, some interesting stuff there around the nation. We do want to get to check this out. Marquette was picked preseason number nine in the big East and they just outright won the regular season championship. How on earth did that happen? We're going to talk about it in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Hey, we're at the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download the FanDuel app, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So download the FanDuel app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, Will LeBron James ever get back? I don't know if that prop bet's on there, but why not? Sounds fun. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with Same Game Parlay. So, folks, don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Once again, FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. Hey, and of course, for those of you watching, you see rocking an old school Vince Carter jersey behind Leaf and some D-Wade Miami. That pink is hot. It's beautiful. It's popping, Leaf Tulane, and I'm here for it. So, Tuesday night, Marquette. This team, Shaka Smart's second year, picked number nine in the preseason Big East poll. And, oh, all they do is just go out and win not just a share of the Big East regular season championship, but they win this thing outright. We're going to get to Kansas in just a second. But Leaf, how impressive is this team and what Chaka Smart has done? I mean, they're awesome. Uh, the Marquette Golden Eagle behind me, Dwayne Wade, would approve. <laughs> yes, uh, the, I, I think people slept on Marquette because they didn't have like notified, like they didn't have guys that had bona fide basketball experience at the college level. They had talented guys that made a tournament, but they put up pedestrian stats. Like Tyler Kolek was an average great. guard last year, played in the tournament. Oso Iguodaro, same idea. Olivier Maxon's Prosper, same same idea. Um, and then you, you, I think you saw early in the season, Marquette beat Baylor like 
badly. And they had a few they, – they played Purdue close when Purdue looked like they were the best team in the country. But I watched them play UConn, and this was very early January. And UConn was up like 12, 13 points in the first half. And I was like, man, Marquette's getting okay shots. Like, But UConn's defense was stifling still. And then they went on this huge run, closed the <laughs> half, made it a four-point game entering half. Then they outscored the Huskies by 10 in the second half. But honestly, it wasn't even that close. No. And I kind of – I think I told you or Andy – and I, I that I really like this Marquette team along with Xavier. And I said, I don't know if it's sustainable because their defense isn't quite gr- that great, but their their offense is so good that I, I have belief that they can win games in March. And typically to make a deep, deep run, you need to be top 25 in both offense and defense. Right. And they're not quite there. But offensively, this might be the best team in the country. And if you haven't seen Marquette, um, just because, you know, it's a it's not the most premier school, like I highly, highly recommend it. Tyler Kolak and Oso Igadaro are the engines that, that catapult this team. I, I think that Marquette's a team that probably is going to end up with a three or four seed, yeah. but given the matchup, if they get a matchup against a team that doesn't score great, even if they're good defensively, I think Marquette can, can cause some havoc. Yeah. I, it's interesting. You mentioned that Baylor game because I've been thinking of them quite similarly to Baylor. Both of these teams right now are top five at Ken Palm and offensive efficiency, but both, outside the top 50, I think both outside the top 60 at Ken Palm defensive efficiency. And, and as you said, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you can't win a national championship or go to the second weekend or even the final four, but it is a thorn in your side. And so that's what we have to watch for specifically with this team is do they have enough on, on that side of the ball, uh, the the want to, right? Like I, I think schematically they can do it, but that drive and determination there for Shaka Smart's group, and and you hope so. But but like you said, I basically had written them off preseason because like you think about losing somebody like Justin Lewis to the NBA, and it's like, hey, they had a great run last season, got blown out in the NCAA tournament by North Carolina, who was finding their you know that was right as they were finding their stride. But I you know great, and then it's going to be a rebounding rebuilding year, and then we'll see what happens from there. But it was not a rebuilding year. Uh, the other teams are the ones doing it. And, and so everyone else has fallen at least three games or excuse me, at least two games behind them in the biggie standing Xavier 13 and five Providence 13, five, and then Creighton three games off at 12 and six. So um, man, the big East, it has been so fun this year and I never would have guessed Marquette would have been the one to come out the cream at the top of the crop there. Leaf, let's turn our attention to the Big 12, the best conference in all of college basketball. And I remember thinking preseason, man, can the Big 12 win three national championships in a row? And I kept looking at the teams trying to talk myself into, I don't know, maybe one of these teams could do it. And then we look up now and it's like, honestly, I'd be surprised if a Big 12 team didn't win the national championship this year the way things are going. So on Tuesday night, Kansas clinches at least a share of the Big 12 championship with a win over Texas Tech Tuesday night. They can clinch this thing outright. Tonight, Texas goes to TCU. That is a tough uh, assignment for the Longhorns, especially with Mike Miles back and going. Or if Kansas on Saturday in Austin, I cannot wait for that game. That would also give them an outright uh, Big 12 championship. Yet again, Bill Self does it with arguably one of his least, at least on paper, least talented rosters, and they put it together. Jalen Wilson's done what he had to do to step in and be a superstar. Um, Grady Dick has been arguably better than anyone could have imagined he would have been this year. All these things, the pieces 
to me just fit leaf and that's the thing for me great you won your regular season big 12 at least a share of it i think i want to dream bigger than that for kansas i just said the pieces fit but the thing is i think they fit big enough where kansas could legitimately repeat as national champion is it in the cards i mean they certainly have a claim to it that they'd be the third Back-to-back national champion since 1985. You've got Duke with with Christian Leitner, and then you've got the Florida Gators with Yo- uh, Joakim Noah, Al Horford, and now potentially Kansas. Kansas has a better claim than just about any other team that has won and then have, has had aspirations of winning it again. Um, there have been different times in this year where I've thought, oh, I don't think they're contenders. Like uh, we, we talked about our top eight contenders a long time ago, and yep. I, I had them uh, on the periphery. I had them at like nine. And then I like shortly after that, I was like, man, they might be the best team in the country after they kind of went on this <laughs> hot streak uh, of beating, beating teams. Like they beat Indiana, like a drum, they beat Harvard, Oklahoma state, Texas tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Iowa state in a row, as well as Missouri. And, and I was like, okay, maybe this team's really, really good. And I trust self. I really, uh, for me, I really trust coaching. And I was like, man, they're the best team in the country. Then they get lost three games in a row. And now they've won a bunch of games in a row again. And I think it's all leveled into the fact that Jalen Wilson's been a star all year. Yep. Grady Dix overachieved as a freshman. Yep. And then they took a guy like Kevin McCuller. And I made this point a, a, on a different podcast. I said, Kevin McCuller was down to Gonzaga and Kansas. Had he gone to Gonzaga, I think Gonzaga would be in the, uh, in the front row of national championship contenders and Kansas would be kind of in the periphery like Gonzaga is. And instead he's at Kansas and he's made an enormous impact being the best defender in the big 12, if you ask me. And he fits their team perfectly. Him and Dewan Harris pound the guards, the perimeter players, Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick do a lot of the scoring. And then the interior, they play through KJ Adams to kind of be a short roll option. And Bill Self just knows how to get the most from his players. My one concern about them and, and why I don't know if I'll take them is should they get in foul trouble? I find yeah. their depth to be pretty short. Like against Kansas State, when they lost in Manhattan, they were the better team in the second half. But Jalen Wilson, K.J. Adams, and I think Grady Dick got in foul trouble. And it's hard to do. If there's a close game and it's highly competitive, you're going to play all like nearly all 40 minutes with your starters in March. And if you get into foul trouble – and you have to go to a depth uh, bench that's not particularly good, especially in the front court. I have a few concerns, but there's not too many teams that can punish you in the front court like that. Yes, indeed. And in fact, I uh, while you were talking, looked up, Joe Lenardi has now moved Kansas past Houston for the second overall team behind Alabama. And so one seeds right now, Lenardi has Bama one, Kansas two, Houston three, and Purdue Four. I'm I'm still skeptical on Purdue sticking as the fourth number one seed, but a lot of the bracketologists have them buying that. Well, another uh, quick one, and then we'll continue to move along. We didn't mention it, but the ACC, Pittsburgh, at Notre Dame tonight, has a chance with a win, not a chance. If they win, they will at least have a share of the ACC regular season title. They were picked even farther down than was Marquette, which obviously because the ACC has more teams, but Pittsburgh was picked 14th in the ACC preseason poll and could tonight share at least the uh, a share of the ACC regular season title. And uh, by the way, Joe Lenardi also says one more victory. If they win this game tonight, they are a lock as far as he is concerned. Well, wild stuff there. 
as always, all around the nation. Leaf, we need to get bubbly because that's what the good people want to hear. All the great bubble talk. We just talked about Joe Lenardi. We'll have some more stuff from him. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. All right. Let's get bubbly. We want to recap a few things that happened on Tuesday night and then get you primed a little bit for some games to keep an eye on for Wednesday night in terms of the bubble. Before we get into games, let me give you Lunardi's latest update. Last four buys. So these are teams that are in the tournament that don't have to go to Dayton. That would be Memphis, Boise State. We're going to talk about them in just a second. West Virginia and Auburn. We're going to talk about them in just a second. Last four in. So these would be the four play-in teams that go to Dayton. Mississippi State, Nevada, who took an homing the other night, Arizona State, and Wisconsin. First four out. That would be the teams. These would be like your one seeds in the NIT. UNC, Oklahoma State, Michigan, and Utah State. We'll talk about them in a minute. Next four out. Clemson, Charleston, Penn State, and Texas Tech. So, Leaf, let's go to some of Tuesday's action. I actually want to start uh, not in Charlottesville, Virginia. I want to start in Boise, Idaho, where Boise State is kind of just right there on that brink. They were on the plus side of the bubble on uh, Tuesday night, uh, you know, before the game, according to most people. And things were looking dire. They were down by eight with 448 left to San Diego State, number 18 in the nation. And then they closed the game on a 14-0 run. And now, as we just said, according to Joe Lenardi, he has them as a buy. Like, they're in the field solidly right now. Are you buying that? Are you with it? What do you think about this Boise State team? I do buy them. I, I've actually watched a fair amount of their recent games because they're in my time zone, the mountain right. time zone. So, they, <laughs> right. so I, I get to see... I get to see them play fairly frequently. They, they've got a, a really good chemistry and just kind of know how to play together. They, they work well together and have trust at the end of the games, which I think really matters for these type of – I don't want to call them a real mid-major, but for the, for the sake, sake of saying a non-power six right here. Right. You kind of need to be veteran and, and experienced to win close games, and that's what they do. I do think they need to win a game or two in their tournament, they don't need to win them uh, the mountain West tournament to get in, but if they win a game or two, I, I feel very confident. I, I think they, they're probably as confident. I think West Virginia is the team I feel most confident on that's on the bubble that I think for sure will get in. I think the resume is very, very good and they've got very good wins because they're in the big 12. They have a lot right. of losses right. for that same reason. But if you look at the wins, I think it factors in. So those are the two teams I feel the most confident and let's quickly committee. remind people as well that the committee is not looking at conference tournament or excuse me, at conference records. They're just looking at your record. And so because uh, a lot of people will say things to me like Virginia, West Virginia, what do they have? Five or six big 12 wins. Yeah, great. It doesn't matter. The committee's not looking at your conference record. They're looking at the overall totality. Anyway, sorry to cut in leaf, but just wanted to make sure we we say that always. No, and, that, and that's a very good point of distinction. And I think that's why there's even a claim for a team like Texas Tech, which is which was 0-8 to start Big yep. 12 play and now is riding the ship only to a degree. Uh, I don't think they'll get in unless they make a deep run in the conference tournament. But but the point is here is, and, and you can you can weigh in on this as well, I think the teams that from smaller conferences have to win a few in their conference tournaments, even if they have good records, just because they need to add to their resume. It's just harder to stand pat when the, when they're small, as opposed to Auburn or a team like Mississippi State 
or of course uh, West Virginia and Texas Tech. I think if they have one win, it's going to be such a boon to their their resume. It, it buoys it enormously. So I, I think the Mountain West teams, Nevada and Boise State, need to each have good weekends uh, entering March Madness to get into it. Yeah, they do. And interestingly, to wrap up the regular season, Boise State actually goes to Utah State on Saturday. And those are both bubble teams right now with Boise State on the good side of it, Utah State down in the first four out. And so uh, would be looking if Utah State can get that win at home, it would do wonders, hopefully for their resume. But then obviously, as you said, we will look to next week's uh, conference tournament as well so some interesting stuff there and, and, and great points i do want to go uh turn our attention to charlottesville where teams were watching both uh virginia and clemson not because virginia's on the bubble but because virginia is close to that quad one quad two cut line in terms of where they're at in the net so virginia beats clemson and so for clemson this is rough news, right? Like they now fall even further. They're into Joe Lenardi's next four out. So they, they would be the fifth team on the outside looking in right now, which is very difficult for uh, <laughs> Brad Brownell's team who, uh, you know, at one point were undefeated in ACC play and, and looking to lead the way. But they've got some quad three and quad four losses on their resume that really ding things up there they do get Notre Dame at home to wrap up the regular season but then I think need to make some noise next week in the ACC tournament to have any sort of prayer maybe even need to win uh, and take the decision out of the committee's hands as for Virginia this is interesting they went into Tuesday 28th in the net and they win at home against Clemson and you think oh good that's safe for teams that need them to stay in the top 30 but they actually dropped to 29th on Wednesday morning's refresh still within that top 30 but that's essentially good for teams that have a win over Virginia at home. So that would be Miami, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, Boston College, who, you know, they're not really a bubble team, and North Carolina. So really, as you're thinking about Pitt and North Carolina, the, the two teams where that quad one win is going to matter more, uh, that, that's a big deal to keep them there. Uh, but let's go back to the Clemson of it, Leaf. I, I mean, this is just, it's tough, tough spot for Clemson because of that relative weakness of the ACC that they, you know, obviously Notre Dame, that's not going to move the needle beating them on Saturday. So they really have to make noise next week at the ACC tournament. Yeah, I, I concur full heartedly on that. I think that Clemson would need to, I mean, they have to beat Louisville, obviously. They, they, have, a, they have winnable games to end the year. And had they beaten Virginia, I think they'd be in a very good spot. I think it's similar to the way, not in the same sense, Arizona State beat Arizona in an unlikely road win, and that's boosted them into Lenardi's last four in. Yep. And I think they were going to be in the last uh, – they were going to be the first four out. Like, that that was a huge swing. I don't think Clemson's win over Virginia would have been that momentous, but they need to now kind of for, uh, find a way through the – I'm trying to look at the make a bracket in my head for the ACC tournament. So right now they'd be the five seed. So that means they need to beat the 12 and then they need to get a win over Duke. It looks like, and right now Duke, it, I mean, you won't like to hear this and I don't really like Duke either, but they're playing the best basketball in ACC. Yeah. Like, and I don't think it's particularly close right now. I'm not saying that they're the best team overall, but right now they're playing they're the best playing basketball. The best. And, and that's so what matters in has a hard path to furrow. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's 100% correct. Uh, for a while, it was Miami playing as the best team in the ACC, but Duke has taken on that mantle now. And and as for while we're touching on Arizona State, whew, they, they've got a rough uh, wrap-up to try to make it in terms of the regular season. They've got to go to the L.A. schools this week, beat 
if they could get a win at UCLA or USC, that'd be great for their resume. But I fear that could be an 0-2 weekend to wrap things up for the Sun Devils. A couple other bubble results from Tuesday night. Obviously, we already talked about the Kansas side of it, but a tough loss for Texas Tech after they couldn't win against TCU on Saturday. And then Mississippi State did what they had to do. You cannot lose to South Carolina. And it was closer than it should have been, but they won and you move on. That's what you're doing this time of year. And then New Mexico kind of hangs around a little bit with that win over Fresno State. Um, But as we've already talked about, they are right now on the outside looking in even further beyond that next four out category in terms of a few things to watch out for on Wednesday night leaf. And then we'll get out of here. Auburn and Alabama. This is a big game for both teams for two reasons. If Alabama should lose Kansas is going to be the number one overall team in Joe Lenardi's projection. I would imagine some others as well. As for Auburn, They have stumbled and struggled, and honestly, I mean, they are to the point now of, like we said earlier, last four buys. If they lose this game to Alabama, they're going to fall to last four in at at, at best, right? And so, man, like Auburn I has kind of come out of nowhere to be very bubblicious, and I'm nervous for them. Yeah, Auburn's a team that can play stifling defense but has enormous dry spells offensively. And I don't think that'll bode well against uh, Alabama at Alabama. However, Alabama's given people chances. Like they were, at, they were in Tuscaloosa and Arkansas had a chance to tie the game with a with a decent look at it that Ricky Council missed. And, and then against South Carolina, Brandon Miller had to score forty one points to beat a a lowly South Carolina team. So Auburn has a chance, yep. but I'd imagine they lose, and then they would fall to nine and eight in conference play, nineteen and eleven on the year. They're 13 and two at home, four and eight on the road would be what they'd be. Yeah. And, and they wrap up with Tennessee on Saturday. It, so it doesn't get any easier. Yeah. And, and Tennessee, I mean, I'm not going to say I buy Tennessee enormously, but I will say this when they have Josiah Jordan James and Julian Phillips, they're considerably better than they are when they don't. And, and Julian I, Phillips like is a surprise. Now. But yep. that said, they beat Alabama without those two players. <laughs> but Tennessee is a good team by, by knowing. So Arkansas, I think, is truly a bubble team. I, I don't expect them to go two and zero for sure. I'd say one and one is a success for Bruce Pearl's squad, and I think they fall to the bubble. And I think a team like your Carolina Tar Heels should they beat Duke, and that's a that's a quad one win. Yep. And uh, who's the other one that Carolina plays this week? They they already won. Uh, that's a they beat oh, yeah. Florida State yeah. on Monday. Yeah, that's so right. They beat Florida State. Just, so you beat yeah. Duke and you win one game in the ACC tournament. And I think Carolina has a more compelling argument than than does Auburn. I think they've yep. got better wins. And even though they've been not very good, but but I, I think that Arkansas, I mean, Auburn finds themselves in a very difficult spot because they likely go 0-2 this week and they likely get a tough seed in the SEC tournament where teams are all desperate. Like the second ranked team in the SEC right now is, uh, and seeded I should say, is Texas A&M and they're an eight seed. So they're going to be vying for every possibility to move up and not be an eight seed. And they've, they're 14 and three in SEC play. Like that's crazy. And Auburn's tied for fifth in the SEC right now with Missouri and Vandy. But as we said, if they go 0-2 this week, they're going to tumble and that seed is going to look even worse. A couple other games to keep your eyes on tonight in terms of bubble teams. Penn State is at Northwestern. As a reminder, Penn State is next four out right now. And then Utah State at UNLV. Utah State's in that first four out. They have zero quad one wins right now. They need to get one, and UNLV ain't going to be one. So uh, Utah State is looking to get that coveted quad one win. 
interesting stuff always in the bubble world. We're going to be talking all about it all the rest of this week, all the next week as we get into more conference tournaments. It is March. It is awesome. Things are going. Leave Tulane. We're in our happy place, and I am here for it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Great stuff as always, brother. Of course. I, I, March Madness is the best time. Three days of conference tournaments, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then the first four days of Madness, best seven days of the year for oh, me. It's not even close. Let's get after it. It's all happening. Thanks so much for joining us today. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show on YouTube and wherever you listen. Smash the like button. Leave some comments on your thoughts on the bubble teams and some of the other stuff we've talked about today. As always, my apologies to the lawyer family, and until tomorrow, peace. Peace.